Finding out the best way to say something and then actually saying it, that best way does come in two parts. You've just learned all things restructuring, taking either your stream of consciousness thoughts, or if you're a writer or an editor, taking someone else's stream of consciousness thoughts and restructuring them so that you have everything you could possibly need for a maximally persuasive, effective communication asset for your business or for your client's business. Now we are going to go into auto read mode. It's very important to have your structure right. So you're saying all the right things in the right places, but if it's not worded well, if it's not written clearly at that fifth grade reading level, hot tip right there within the publishing industry, the gold standard of sophisticated reading for general trade books, as opposed to textbooks or clinical manuals. So this is like 90% of the books you've ever read are general trade, business, health, novels. They're written so that a 10-year-old can understand it and grasp it and then go take action. So you're going to do the same as you go through editing your piece of content, even if it's written for physicians, because physicians can understand what's written for a 10-year-old, but a 10-year-old cannot understand what's written for a physician. And especially in our saturated content coming at us every which way, social media notification-driven world, it's really important to make sure your content is breezy and easy so that people will actually read it, even if they're physicians, right in a simple, clear, easy to understand way. At this point, let's actually talk about how you take this restructured content that's in the right order and actually make it pretty darn good. In fact, not simply good, but better and then best the best way to say it. Here's how you're going to do that. You're going to follow really a checklist of line editing principles as you're going to go through from beginning to end of your restructured content in that outline that we've talked about. Here is exactly what you're going to be looking for. Number one, make sure you have fewer than three prepositions per sentence. Prepositions are things like in, before, of, because, after. The more prepositions in your sentence, the more thoughts you're throwing at people at once. Every preposition is its own little microcosm of information. Every clause following a preposition. For example, if you're talking about um, a setting, let's say the top of the fridge behind the canister of paint on top of the canister, you have a lot to memorize right there, right? I'm just going un, above, because, before, if, there's a lot of information coming at you all at once. The question for you is, how much of that do people actually need to know? Is there a way to cut down the sentences to set so, so that you're not communicating a bunch of stuff at once via prepositions, but maybe you've only got one or two prepositions in the sentence, in, of, before, because, etc. Now, all the tips I'm going to be giving you, including this one on fewer than three prepositions, you will have a checklist for, so you can easily handily reference it at any point on a simple one pager. You'll also see me doing this in action so that you know not just that you need to rewrite sentences, line edit sentences so that it's breezy and easy to read, but you'll see it, how it's done in action. So you'll see that it's not just cutting and trimming, it's improving, it's making it way, way more persuasive. I've used the phrase line editing a couple of times now. Line editing is what we refer in the publishing industry to going line by 
line, sentence by sentence. This is a ghostwriter's job. Publishing houses used to do this. Now, the publishing houses prefer that the author either present the skills themselves to the manuscript, or they bring in a publishing professional that they pay for, that they uh, pay for themselves, and have them do it so that the manuscript is as production ready as possible, meaning it's going to be cheaper for the publishing house to work with you and your book rather than someone else's who is not line edited, even if they're more famous than you, even if they have a bigger audience, because it's going to cost them more money to get it up and going. So if you're an aspiring author and you can bring your manuscript right up to the point of the final draft, or if you got a TEDx speech or a TED speech, and you can bring that right up to just about the final draft of your speech. Before they say yes to you, your chances of getting a yes are significantly higher. And it's the same with content that's on your blog or in your newsletter or in your email or on your YouTube channel. You are putting together these assets that are so easy to read, so professionally written that they say, wow, look at the care that this person put into crafting this piece of content, how easy to read it is. They must, they must, be in a position where they are doing the incredible work for us as well if they take that level of care into the free content that they've put out there. So you know a little bit about line editing now, the purpose of it and what the result is. An easy to read piece of content that people can go through step by step with no step skipped. You also know about prepositions and why we don't like them because they're their own little thoughts that try to cram a bunch of stuff that you have to visualize or think about in one single place. Very difficult to turn something into an auto read if you're throwing a bunch of concurrent thoughts at people that they have to visualize or think about or even experience to get what it is the heck you're talking about. And we also know why we do the fifth grade reading level. Basically, could a 10-year-old understand it, grasp it, and actually take action and get results from what you've said? The reason why we do that is because of our content inundated age. People have got stuff coming at them from all sides. If it's not easy to just click and get exactly what it is that you're saying, it's not going to be the best piece of content that it could possibly be, which is the promise that I am making to you by following these methods I am teaching you. Let's get to, into a little bit more of the best practices of line editing. You've got this restructured piece of content. You're using a simple tool like Word, Microsoft Word, to find out what the reading level is. You want to shoot for the fifth grade reading level. You would see that. And you're starting to remove some of the prepositions from sentences and turning the prepositional clauses into adjectives, maybe even modifying some of the verbs. And you can see how to do this, not just the what, but the how, in some of the accompanying editing videos in this masterclass. After you look at the prepositions, think about, after the prepositions, think about concrete language. Can everything that you say be visualized? Can it be felt? Can it be experienced? Can I imagine it in my mind's eye? If not, it's too abstract. It's too concrete. It's too, well, it's not concrete enough. It's theoretical. I can't see it. If I can't touch, feel, taste, smell, hear it, it's not going to enter into my mind's eye where it is the equivalent of a memory. Did you know that? Did you know that if you visualize something, the brain can't tell the difference between seeing it in your mind's eye and seeing it in the real world. Very interesting tip of psychology, of persuasion, 
that you can use to great effect. It must be concrete. Don't just say what to do, give examples of how to do it if it's tips. If it's stories, put me right there inside the action exactly what happened, play by play, before you give me the commentary. When you do give me the commentary, explain not just your opinion, but what it means. What is the impact going to be of this particular news event from your perspective down to those three forms of benefits? Meaning, what's, or rather in this case, if it's a news story, would be the impact. So what is the practical impact in the world that you see? Tease that out explicitly. No abstract, no concept in the real world. From the perspective of the emotional, what is the emotional impact going to be? Describing how people's behavior is going to change based on this new story you're giving us insight into. And then, of course, what is the financial impact as well? Explain that to us when you are going through the line editing and make sure that as you're line editing, you're getting all those things across. I also recommend that you have varied sentence length. You've got a nice mix of short sentences, staccato sentences. You break the rule of grammar that you were taught as a kid where you can't use single sentences that are just uh, fragments. You can't do that. Yes, you can. As long as you're using it to break up long sentences, short, staccato, to the point, fragments, a medium sentence, a long sentence again. So there's plenty of literally visual variety in the length of your sentences. We want to hack the natural tiredness we all get as we're reading. That's why textbooks are no fun to read. Long sentence, long sentence, long sentence, massive wall of text. We've already talked about breaking up those massive walls of texts into really short paragraphs. I even recommend two to three sentences per paragraph for an article, for a blog post, or one sentence per paragraph if it's a social media post, LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. That way it's going to be even easier to digest visually. So back to the varied sentence length, that's another reason you want to do that, is give people a little bit of variety so it's not fatigue. Reader fatigue is real. We must do whatever it takes to avoid that from happening to produce a manuscript or a chapter or an article that pretty much reads itself. The next tip that I want to give you actually comes from hypno writing. I have ghostwritten books, articles, etc., for professional trained hypnotists and hypnotherapists. The point of hypnotherapy is to speak directly to the patients, to the client's subconscious mind, to uproot deconstructive beliefs, to shift the attitudes that aren't beneficial, and ultimately to affect behavior. All of this stuff happening in your subconscious mind, you're not consciously aware of. It's the hypnotherapist or hypnotist's job to write what's wrong in your subconscious. And there's specific ways that you have to talk to the subconscious mind to affect that change in their life. Whether it's breaking an addiction to smoking, being a happier, less stressed person in the face of intense stress, or even killing off your sugar cravings. Hypnotherapy can in fact and has been proven to do all of those. And hypnotherapy principles must be worked into your line editing process. Because as people are reading, what's happening? You are laying out a buffet of ideas, not just for the person's conscious mind, but for their subconscious mind as well. If you want to have an almost hypnotic effect 
In fact, that's what it actually is, a hypnotic effect on your readers. You must become a hypno-writing maven, a maximal persuader. And here is how you're going to do that. I've produced content before on these tips, and I'm going to explore them again right here. Hypno-editing. The first thing you want to make sure is that you don't have too much negative language. Basically, don't say don't. You can't say can't. You shouldn't say shouldn't. I think you get my point here. Because the subconscious mind cannot, ironically, understand the word not. If I say, don't think of an elephant, what are you thinking of? So if I want you to think of something else instead of the elephant, why would I say don't think of the elephant? I should tell you what I want you to think of instead. So often, it's easier, it's easier for us to tell people what not to think about, what something isn't, than what it actually is. This is a thing you must change throughout your line editing process. It's going from what you're not saying to what you're actually saying. It's a mental shortcut. So that way I'm not thinking, okay, you're telling me what not to think about. And you're trying to have a roundabout way to get me to think about. What am I doing? I'm pulling myself out of the article. I've got a block. It's no longer an auto read. I'm having to think about what I'm reading. Big mistake. After that, you've got all the knots removed and you're writing in the affirmative. We've already talked about visual. If I can see it, touch it, feel it, taste it, bring it into the real world. Use visual language that I can think about. Metaphors, analogies, as long as you're not using two or three different analogies. Another principle of hypno writing you're going to use in your line editing process. Again, going sentence by sentence, line by line following these as if they're a checklist, which of course I've provided within this masterclass. You're first gonna remove all of the negative language and turn it into affirmative. Negative doesn't mean mean, it means not, can't, shouldn't. Don't tell us what it's not, tell us what it is. If you don't want me to think of an elephant, what do you want me to think of instead? Just talk to me about that, okay? After you begin to write in the affirmative, you're gonna make sure everything is visual. It's kinesthetic. It's auditory. I can see it. I can feel it. I can hear it. If there's touch and taste sensations and smell, well, bring those in to the game as well. This is especially helpful if you are giving client stories, if you're giving your take on a news story or providing commentary, or you're teaching concrete examples. Don't just tell me that something happens out there in the ether. Give me an example. One example beats a thousand abstract, let's suppose, type of abstract conceptual theoreticals. No one cares. Give me one example. I can see it in the real world. Don't just give me a tip. Show me what the tip looks like as I'm doing it, which gets me into the next hypno writing tip. We're going to work into our line editing, which is let me experience it step by step. If you're giving me a tip, technique, tactic, strategy, walk me through what I do before I do it. What's going to, what do I, what do I need to have in place? What's my groundwork? What's the context I need to have first? Then tell me exactly what I'm going to do step by step and then how to measure the outcome if at all possible. You remember how I said, don't be one of those people who says, here's what I'm going to say. Let me say it. And here's what I said. That's a waste of time for the content yourself, the speech, the 
presentation, the essay even. This is not grade school anymore. We don't follow that principle. The one exception for tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told you, is when you're giving step-by-step step with no step-skipped instruction. Remember, we want there to be flow. We want this to be an auto-read. No gaps, no breaks, no, wait a second, you gave me the ABCs. You said A, B, D, E, E. Wait a second, wait a second. That is what the subconscious mind, and therefore ultimately the conscious mind, does as we're reading a piece of content that skips something that's really important. You cannot assume what your audience already knows, what they don't know. The prerequisites, make sure you mention if there's something you need to have in place before you teach them how to swing the golf club, before you teach them how to lose weight, before you teach them what they need to know in order to sell an eight-figure enterprise deal, step-by-step step with no step skipped. That allows the subconscious mind to process that information and put it into long-term memory, which is what you want. People finding your content memorable. And another way you can make your content maximally persuasive is predict what's going to happen. We've already talked this about this a little bit when we when it comes to the practical benefits of your ideas, the practical impact of a news story. You want to make sure you mention that as well. You want to talk about the emotional experience that people are going to have as they're implementing your ideas or your clients' ideas if you're writing on their behalf. You also want to talk about the emotional impact that you expect this news story, this study, this change, this shift to have in the industry, in the marketplace, for the people, for the world. And of course, you want to talk about the economic impact you foresee as well, or have already begun to see even for good or for ill. This is prediction. You want to be known as someone who is so insightful, who is so useful that you can predict the future. Of course, you only want to make predictions you have already begun to see come to pass. So for example, if you're teaching the reader how to, let's say, balance their blood sugar, how to research uh, a new pharmaceutical drug, then you want to draw from evidence you are already privy to because of your clients, what's worked in the past, what you're seeing working now, to give them a bit of a preview of what the future holds. You can also tell people, you're probably thinking, if you know what they're going to be thinking at that point. If you're giving instructions, let's say you're going step-by-step step with no steps skipped, remember? Let's say you've taught, let's say you're going to give four tips, right? And they, they, you know, the first tip, second tip, third tip, fourth tip, and they come in succession. Swinging in the golf club, losing weight, how to box, how to quit pornography, whatever the steps are going to be. Somewhere in there, as people are reading, let's say step number two, as you begin step number three, you want to recognize what people are thinking or feeling. It can even be as simple as, at this point, you're probably thinking, or just cut out the adverb, which I'll get to in a second. And you just simply say, for example, you're thinking at this point, or by now you're wondering, as long as you know that based on conversations you've had with clients in the past, that when you've taught them these tips, or when you've gone through it yourself, you were actually wondering that. Being able to predict what people are thinking and feeling as they're reading your piece of content is extraordinarily useful for you as a communicator because it's going to be positioning you as someone who, as that famous business book once said, 
are someone who sees around corners. I've mentioned this before, I'm going to bring it up again. Adverbs. Anytime you can cut out those L-Y words, just freaking do a find and replace, friend. Find all of the words that end with L-Y. For the most part, those are mostly adverbs, and I have a handy little checklist for you to hunt down some of the most common ones as well. But you want to remove that as a dress-up, because if a verb is strong enough, let it speak for itself. If a noun or adjective is strong enough, you don't need to modify it. It's not very loud. It's loud. If loud doesn't feel like it communicates precisely what it is that happened, change it up. That is where we come into the visuals. Remember, we would need to be able to imagine it exactly as it happened, what it looked like, how it felt, what it sounded like. This is particular advice for all of the verbs that you're going through in the manuscript or the chapter or the speech or the article and noting where there is a word that people use so often like loud. What do you actually mean? That is a very helpful question to have as kind of a reference point from your line editing. What does this actually mean? If it doesn't mean exactly what you're saying, if the right word is not being precisely used so that there's no question about what you meant, was it loud or was it piercing? If it was piercing, if it literally caused you pain as you heard the loud noise, we'll say that. If it was a boom you felt in your chest, describe that. Like it's a firework, for example. Fireworks are loud, but they're but they have, a, they have a physical manifestation that they're so loud. You literally feel it. You know, some people even feel it in their hearts. Describe that exact sensation. So this is another piece of advice I'm going to give you. Wherever, especially there's adverbs, that is a tell for you that it's not precise enough. Use the precise adjective, noun, verb, even in rare cases, preposition to describe exactly what it is that you mean. And if you or the client you're writing for is reading through this and you can say, wow, there's no more precise way to say what I mean here to give you that visual, that sensation, that experience as my reader, it's done. And one last tip, break up the sentences. We don't need to have and, 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 or, 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 because, because, because all throughout a single sentence. I don't need to see 10 commas in a sentence. Just give me the straight facts without too many ands and ors. This, by breaking up sentences from compound, so just for simple sentences, subject, verb, subject, verb, verb, the simpler approach is often the best approach. Yes, you can start sentences with the rare adverb. Think of adverbs as salt. You don't, you don't want to dump a bunch of sodium into your content. You want them to be sprinkled throughout. Same with prepositions. Sprinkle them throughout. Lastly, right, that's a good way to uh, open a sentence, give a little bit of variety, a quick way to take a 12th grade written piece of content and bring it closer down to the gold standard of a 10 year old understanding it, that fifth grade reading level, is to simply break up your sentences. If after breaking up a compound sentence that had five ands in it, you have trouble understanding what any of the sentences say, guess what? Those sentences were abstract and had no business being there in the first place. So shift the abstract sentences that you've now broken up from one big long one into a simpler one. And just give me an example. Nine times out of 10, breaking up a compound sentence into simple sentences like this will help you find out what you're actually trying to say. And it was nothing like the original compound sentence. So that's really when it comes down to it. 
what line editing is. You are reading between the lines. When I'm when I'm working with an author as a ghostwriter and I'm interviewing them, I'm hearing between their lines and I'm interpreting in real time what they're saying versus what the reader needs to read the version of what they just told me. You can do this in line editing, hearing or reading what insight is meant to be portrayed here. What are you actually trying to say? And what's the value of that? How does it have practical value? How does it have an emotional benefit that people can actually resonate and feel? And then of course, um, is the financial benefit a benefit? Is there monetary upside saving more or spending less or earning more, for example? That's all going to be there. So think about that as you are editing. I know I've given you a ton of tips, principles, and what to do's, which at this point may be a little theoretical. If I stopped at this point, you would still gain extraordinary value from the masterclass. Do not stop at this point. It is all about the practical implementation. Again, I practice what I preach and I'm preaching to you now to go and watch the editing sessions where I'm following these tips in real time so that you can have one incredible piece of content after another. And every time you've written the best way to write it.